You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Alexander Pope, not the Institute of Medicine, said, to err is human, to forgive divine. However, it was Benjamin Franklin who said, to err is human, to repent divine, to persist devilish. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and joining me today at the Clinician's Roundtable is Dr. Robert Wachter. Dr. Wachter is Professor and Chief of the Division of Hospital Medicine and Associate Chairman of the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. He is Chief of the Medical Service at UCSF Medical Center. Today we are discussing the culture of patient safety. With all your duties and responsibilities, how did you take on the mantle of patient safety? I mean, did you open up the refrigerator one day and the light went on? Or was there some personal tipping point? I've certainly had errors uh, that I've committed, been concerned about them, and responded to them like I think most of most physicians do, which is how could I be that bad? And it's all it always been on my mind. But I think what happened to me was more recently, as medicine became more interested in patient safety, and I run a big medical service, it just seems so profoundly important and so right to attack this area in a new in a new way. I was already involved in the hospitalist field, so we were kind of organizing a new specialty of physicians focusing on hospital care. And as the Institute of Medicine report on medical errors came out, it just seemed like a natural fit that we should be in the middle of this and we should try to understand it and make it work in new ways. You brought up the issue of recognizing mistakes. Dr. Jerome Groupman, in his book, How Doctors Think, says that doctors should recognize and remember their mistakes and misjudgments and incorporate those memories into their thinking. How do we get doctors to be willing to even fess up to themselves the mistakes and remember them so they don't make them again. Surgical residents keep logs of their procedures. Groupman again says that he knew a cardiologist who kept a log of all the mistakes he had made and would revisit the log when trying to figure out a particular difficult case. Think that's a good idea? I like the idea and I like the philosophy that we somehow try to register our mistakes and kind of review them periodically to get better. The problem with it, though, is that it's a very personal approach to medicine, and I think the main epiphany that we've all had in the last seven or eight years is that most mistakes in healthcare are made by good, competent people trying really hard, and that all of us trying a little harder not to screw up again is not the answer to this problem. It's certainly important. It's something we should do. But in my experience, most physicians do remember their really bad mistakes. In fact, they're indelibly imprinted on them, and I think sometimes remember them in the wrong way. Remember them as a human failure uh, and with a subtext of how could I have been so bad or, that, or so careless. And I think that the, the learnings that we've had in the last 10 years in patient safety are that many of these simply prove that doctors are human and that to make healthcare substantially safer, we have to figure out new systems of care to, to embed all of us in systems that basically anticipate that we won't be perfect and that we'll blow it every now and then, and the systems can catch some of those errors before they cause harm. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do better or there aren't personal glitches that could be improved upon by reflection, but I think it's a relatively small component of the larger issue of medical mistakes. I spent the past two years as chair of the risk management, or now it's called risk and safety assessment committee at my hospital, and they banter about the terms culture of safety, blameless society, fair and just culture, accountability. Which model have you chosen at the University of California, San Francisco, and how is implementation moving forward? We like the just culture model, 
and let me just, for the listeners, let's kind of review what all those buzzwords mean, because I think this can get awfully jargoning. The tension here is that we're moving from a mental model of medical errors, that they are individual screw-ups that need to be dealt with by firing people, suing people, and blaming people, to one that says what I said earlier, that most medical errors are made by good, competent, caring people, and that they really reflect system failures rather than individual failures. The problem with taking that to its absurd endpoint that comes in as you hear about a blameless culture is that it says almost that no error should be blameworthy, that everything is a systems problem. And you and I and all the listeners know that that's ridiculous, that there are some bad doctors out there and bad nurses. There are errors that are worthy of blame. There are doctors who won't follow safety rules, won't sign the site, won't wash their hands. Those are, to me, clearly worthy of blame. And I think we're now coming to a place where we're going to be much more mature about this and say that most errors are not blameworthy because they really reflect a system that's that's flawed that needs to be made better. But there are bright lines that we have to draw that say there is a certain level of accountability that if people are not following the rules or people are repetitively making errors or people come to, to work drunk or not keeping up, that in fact there is blame and there is accountability. There's a sweet spot there between those two philosophies and this notion of a just culture is designed to try to find it. And it's really very tricky. I think we're all struggling with trying to get that, that balance right. How far have you gotten? We're much better than we were at the blameless part. We're much better at instinctively when we see an error and we're doing the root cause analysis, for example, not coming in with the mindset of who blew it and what do we do about that person. And, and that, to me, is tremendous progress. We used to do maybe three to five detailed analyses of errors at our 600-bed hospital a year. We now do one every week or two. So we're now doing 20 to 40 root cause analyses a year. And their, their primary thrust is to not blame a person but to identify how we can make the system better. To me, that's tremendous progress. And I think we are still struggling with the accountability side. What do you do when you have the physician who really is incompetent, not keeping up, careless, repetitive errors, or creating a a culture that's so difficult to work in, sometimes doctors who are disruptive, for example. And I think we're getting better at dealing with those situations, but I think we're still on our learning curve. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and my guest today is Dr. Robert Wachter, Associate Chairman of the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. We are discussing the culture of patient safety. To quote America's favorite doctor, Dr. Greg House, he said, Hey, 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 we are not here to play the blame game. These things happen. Sometimes doctors send people out on the street to die after other doctors warn them that they're sending people out on the street to die. I'm glad we're getting away from the blame game. In Sentinel event root cause analysis, communication comes up over and over again as the number one factor. How do we teach communication? First of all, it's good to be asking the question because up until a few years ago, I don't think any of us would have even asked that question. You know, we kind of assume that you train medical students in one silo and you train nurses in another silo and never the twain shall meet until they actually have to work side by side in these extraordinarily complex situations. So I think we're pretty clear that you don't do it the way we, we were trained, which is to just let people out and figure out that they learn, they know how to communicate effectively. At UCSF, we are now doing joint training programs in patient safety. We do an orientation 
the first day of medical nursing and pharmacy school, all of the students in all of those schools come together to learn about patient safety. We do a, a patient safety skit of a medical error where the dean of the school of medicine plays a pharmacist, the dean of the school of nursing plays a doctor, and then we're doing a big teamwork training program that we've been helped with a group of pilots who've come in to help teach this. There are ways of training people to communicate more effectively to dampen down some of the hierarchies that got in the way of, for example, a young clerk speaking up to a cardiologist if that's what needed to happen to prevent an error. But it's tricky stuff, and we're, I think we're all learning this as we go along. You mentioned previously that reporting of medical errors seems to be driving improved care. Could you talk to us about the state of the reporting systems and, again, the issue of transparency? Well, transparency in, in patient safety, I think, is trickier than transparency in quality. So I think we've made a lot of progress in transparency in quality, and, and you, know, you can look up a hospital's increasingly their mortality rate, whether they gave the right medicines for a patient with a heart attack. Looking up and finding out whether they're safe is really tough, and right now I don't think we know how to do it, in part because we don't know how to measure medical errors. So we depend on docs and nurses and medical students and ward clerks to report medical errors voluntarily. The trick about that and measuring it, of course, is let's say I go to your hospital and the number of reports of errors has gone from 100 a month to 150 a month. I actually have no idea whether you've gotten more dangerous or you've gotten safer. And I, I think it's probably likelier that you've gotten safer, that people are, are more willing to report because they think something might actually happen for the better if they report. They feel like they won't be blamed if they report. Maybe the reporting system is a better system. Maybe, you know, you have a new computer system or something that makes it easier to report. And yet you could look at that from the outside and say, well, my God, you've gone from 100 to 150 errors a month. This place is getting to be a disaster. So I think that that is a very tricky issue, this whole issue of measurement. But I think as people do become more comfortable with reporting and systems learn how to take those reports and use them to make the system safer, and I think that's really happening quite a bit around the country, I think patient safety is improving. A very high priority at our hospital has been the issue of disclosure and saying I'm sorry. How do you feel about those two issues? It's so ethically right and morally right that it's sort of sad that we have to discuss it in practical terms. The practical issue that always comes up, of course, is what does it do to malpractice risk? And the emerging evidence, although it's not great data yet, is that being open and honest with patients and with families and saying, saying there was an error and we caused it and we're going to do what we can to make it right, not only does not increase your overall malpractice liability, but in some studies shows that it goes down. To me, that's good because it, it takes that issue off the table, but I think it, it, the issue that stares us in the face, our professional oath and our professional ethics should have led us all along to say this is the right thing to do. If we committed an error, we need to be open and honest about it with our patients, with families. And I've found over the years that doing that, it's remarkable, the number of patients and families who are not interested in suing. They want to know that you're being honest about it, and they really want to know how you're going to prevent this from happening to the next patient. It's actually a very charitable point of view, and if you can say that and do it honestly, I think most patients and families are quite forgiving. Do we need administrative support, especially in the form of compensation to the people that are injured? I think it depends on the situation. If someone is injured and they will have a costlier hospitalization or recuperation or be out of work, it seems to me that there should be some compensation there. And, and also, just on very practical grounds, part of the issue of an apology may very well be 
here's a reasonable settlement, and if you as the family or the patient can live with that, we can both be spared the trauma of going through the tort system. And it's, the tort system is not only not fun for doctors, it's really not fun for patients at all. It's a reasonable thing to, to consider on practical and on ethical grounds. What frustrates you the most about the patient safety initiatives? It's really hard. You know, 10 years ago or eight years ago when the Institute of Medicine report came out, I think there was some magical thinking that if we just snap our fingers, you know, a couple of computer systems, a couple of standard operating procedures, we get this thing done. And we now know this is much harder than we thought. I want to thank Dr. Robert Wachter, who has been my guest, and we have been discussing the culture of patient safety. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I leave you with the words of Winston Churchill. All men make mistakes, but only wise men learn from their mistakes. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals.